Will you stand now as you are able for the reading of the gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter beginning with the 17th verse. One day when Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and legal experts were sitting nearby. They had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. Now the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. Some men were bringing a man who was paralyzed, lying on a cult. They wanted to carry him and place him before Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they took him up to the roof and lowered him, caught and all, through the roof tiles into the crowded room in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The legal experts and the Pharisees began to mutter among themselves, who is this who insults God? Only God can forgive sins. Jesus recognized what they were discussing and responded, why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier? to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you will know that the human one has authority on the earth to forgive sins. Jesus now spoke to the man who was paralyzed. I say to you, get up, take your cot and go home. Right away, the man stood before them, picked up his cot and went home praising God. All the people were beside themselves with wonder. Filled with awe, they glorified God, saying, We have seen unimaginable things today. This is the word of God for us, the beautiful and beloved people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O most holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. These last few weeks, as I said, we've been talking about courage, Jesus and the call to brave faith. This series is based on a book by United Methodist pastor and author Tom Berlin. And the first week we talked about courage's inheritedness, how it's an intrinsic quality that each of us have. All of the ingredients for courage are already in each of us. We just got to figure out how to put them together to make something rich, something holy. And we ha talked about how this begins with clarity clarity of purpose. Jesus had clarity of purpose. We know what we're supposed to do. We can then be convicted. We can then lean in and pursue our righteous angers, our desires for change. We can be candid. That's what Pastor Jasmine talked about last week. If you missed that sermon, I highly recommend you go watch it on Facebook or YouTube. We can speak truth in love. But maybe you've gotten to this point and you're still struggling with the concept of courage. You're striving for clarity, you want conviction, you're happy to be candid. 
but the courage that used to inspire you no longer comes at the right moment. You've hit rock bottom, you're at the, the floor of the canyon, and you're trying to make your way out, but you're not just sure exactly which direction to turn. <laughs> Have you been there? Anyone? I've been there. I've been there this week. And, that, and that's why I'm here today. That's why we're all here today to talk about hope. Hope, you see, is the next aspect of courage we want to consider. Hope is integral to courage. If we want to be brave, we cannot go on without it. Remember the metaphor I used earlier? It's like a car. Courage is the car, then hope is the gas. Hope is the gas. We won't go anywhere without it. A traditional definition might say that hope is a sense of expectation, but I personally prefer the way Emily Dickinson, the poet, artistically puts it. She said, hope is this thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings that tune without words and never stops at all. Hope is joyful. It is motion. It is motivational. It's driving. And in the Christian life, hope, by definition, is an aspect of faith, a belief in a better tomorrow, but not from a place of ungroundedness, right? No, it's from a sense of assurance, of sure-footedness, and of clarity. This is what God has done in the past, and this is what I know God will do in the future. For Christians, hope is God is faithful. Hope is God is with us. Anyone know that in Hebrew? Hope is Emmanuel. Hope is Jesus. Hope is Jesus. <laughs> is that good news or what? Hope is good news for us now and for so many in the past. That's what we realize in the Gospel of Luke today. As Jesus was teaching, as he had been doing, some men tried to bring their friend to him to be healed. <laughs> he had a reputation for healing up to this point. I don't know if they had heard about the time in Capernaum when he drove out the unclean demon from a man in the synagogues. The scripture tells us the reports about him spread everywhere in the surrounding region. Or maybe he had heard it from Simon's mother-in-law how Jesus spoke harshly to her fever, and it left her. Or maybe it was any of the other number of people whom Jesus healed, including the man with a skin disease who we read about right before this account today. Luke 4.40 says, Everyone brought to Jesus their relatives and their acquaintances and all kinds of diseases, and he placed his hands on each of them and healed 
all of them. When they thought about their paralyzed friend, they hoped, above all hope, it was their last hope probably, that this man, this rabbi, could revive him. They knew if one needed healing, (laughs) Jesus was the person to see. Yet when they got to him, there was a crowd. Yet when they got to the place where Jesus was, they couldn't even see him, could they? Their path was obstructed. But their belief in Jesus, though, in God, in God, it sustained them. Oh, they looked at their paralyzed man, they thought of Jesus. They still had that hope. (laughs) And it gave them some chutzpah, some boldness, some courage. And what did they do? They got creative. Oh, there's there's some stairs or a ladder maybe. We don't really know. And so they grabbed the corners of the cot and they started carrying. And up, up, up they went to the roof. Oh, there wasn't that second door that they thought about. There wasn't some way to get in there. And oh my goodness, they were blocked again. (laughs) But the friend, but Jesus, it's our only hope. Oh, we we can do this. Let's take the roof off. Maybe it was a mud roof. We can dig a hole in it. Or maybe it was a tile roof, as the scripture says. So throwing tiles, one friend yells to another friend, run, go get some cord. We're going to lower our friend down through this hole we just made. And that's what they did. Right to the feet of Jesus. Scripture tells us that. And I imagine Jesus looking up, just smiling. Do you ever picture Jesus with a big smiling face? I hope you do, because I do. Thinking, what faith? What faith in me? What courage? What boldness? What hope? He says, friend, your sins are forgiven. To some, maybe to you sitting there, this may seem like a strange thing to say, right? Initially, when I read this passage, I always think it's strange. Especially if we understand sin as a, as a, as a disobedience to the law or uh, not, um, not being in line with a certain rule or commandment. I mean, by this definition, what sin had a paralyzed man committed? What had he done? Was seeing the leaders in the room a sin? Was it seeing the rabbi Jesus cutting in line maybe? There were other people waiting to be healed. Or what if we understand sin differently in this passage? Sin as a separation from God. An existence outside the word, outside the logos, outside the presence of the Most High. And forgiveness, forgiveness here as a welcome. 
a recognition to the end of some wandering, of some adventure up a stairs and (laughs) through a hole. Friend, you found me. (laughs) You're here, you made it. You are lost no more. Friend, your sins are forgiven. The hope of the friends, the hope of the paralytic is what we are talking about today, is what we are focusing on in this story. Their hope, like the hope in each of us, allows for persistence in spite of obstacles. It allowed them to do what they needed to do to find Jesus, to find security, to find healing, to stand in the presence of the Most High. Their hope led to courage, because hope inspires. Hope keeps us going. It's easy to look at the situations in the world today, COVID, our educational system, the forsakenness of women's rights in this country, in in abroad, in Afghanistan, the housing crisis, the food shortages. (laughs) can look at all this and just give up. It's so overwhelming. Everything seems like a lost cause. And we wonder, what am I supposed to do to find courage to do anything about it? Scripture tells us, I think, that the answer is hope. That child in fifth grade that's still reading on a first grade level We could say that they're a lost cause, right? I remember, I confess, I used to look at classmates like this, sadly, and think they were a lost cause. But then there there was that teacher, my teacher, that had hope, who invested that extra time over the summer, boldly read to that student week after week because they believed in him. And next year, Guess what? He was on grade level or maybe even slightly above. And then there was that lady who passed that homeless man on the street every day thinking he was a bum. Can't you just get a job, a shower, feed yourself? It's not that hard. Looking out from her nice house. But then there was that other lady from the house next door who walked past the man one day and asked what he needed. Realizing that some people are just down on their luck. She got him a hotel room for a couple of weeks, which allowed him just enough time to find a job and to get an apartment of his own. Some first lady thought that man was a lost cause, the next lady had hope. And hope is life-giving. Friends, that's the good news today. There are no lost causes when we have hope in the Lord. Your colleague, your neighbor, your child, your patient, your student, your sibling, they are not lost causes. The crises in this world are not lost causes. And if you are telling yourself you're a lost cause, you are not a lost cause either. Don't give up and have hope. 
God does not believe in lost causes, only lost people. Hope will keep you invested until you find the feet of Jesus. Hope will allow you to see the paralyzed in your life and be courageous. Once the man was in, with Jesus, the story tells us there was some protest. Jesus performed another miracle. He told the man to get up, to take his hot and go home. Hope led to courage, which then led to a risen life. I love how this passage ends. It says that the people were filled with awe and wonder, praising God and saying they had seen unimaginable things. Unimaginable. I love that word. Not only because of the friend's hope and courage that led to healing for their friend and forgiveness for themselves, but their hope and courage also led to believers all around them. <laughs> your hope and your courage, wherever you can muster it, it is contagious. Your courage is contagious and just let it infect the world with awe and wonder so that other people can say we have seen unimaginable things. Now, while I think this passage of Scripture is great at showing us the importance of hope, how it leads to courage, how it leads to transform lives, one thing I don't think it holistically does is show us how to keep that hope alive, to keep that flame burning. That, I think, comes from other, differences, other passages of Scripture. You know, we have this whole book. <laughs> and what we've learned from our personal experience. Pastor Tom suggests in his book several one ways of kindling that hope. The first is rest. Even Jesus rested. When I'm at my wit's end, the only hope I have of finding any courage left in my life is to take a nap. How many of you take naps? They're believers. Take a nap. To be restored physically and mentally. Sometimes you've got to sit in silence. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And as we said before, when you know God... What God has done, you will know hope. You will begin to gain courage. Another thing he suggests is to surround yourself with wise people and with people of peace. A holy community. Take a look around. I see no heads moving. I'm serious. Take a look around. Take a look around. Here's a holy community, not unlike the one we're sitting in. Find your, find your people. Find good people. And they will restore that faith in the world for you. They will tell you those stories of hope where they have seen unimaginable things when you just, 
quite frankly, haven't seen them. Join a small group, hear the stories of God working in the world still. It will inspire courage. Another way is to search for beauty in yourself. Go to an art museum or take a walk in the woods or visit one of these parks around here. I always find trees and plants and flowers a great place to cultivate hope because in a world where there's so much chaos, nature shows us that that chaos can sometimes be beauty. Fallen leaves, we're about to go into fall. Favorite time of year, so pretty, the colors. They will create a perfect scene even amid chaos. And their decay, they'll provide nutrients for the next spring's flowers. Another suggestion is to claim your Ebenezer's. You know, the hymn by Robert Robinson, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And he writes, Here I raise my Ebenezer, Hither by thy help I come. The verse harks back to first Samuel, when the prophet, after the Israelites was delivered from battle, took a stone and set it up on, between Mitzvah and Jeshanah and named it Ebenezer because he said, thus far the Lord has got me here. Claim your Ebenezers. It's a reminder to keep it going. Some of you might know this, but I mentioned it in my Wednesday check-in, but I recently got engaged. And some of you who have wedding rings, when you look down at it, it gives you hope that love exists. It did exist, and it will exist in the future. Claim those actual tangible objects. Keep them in your pocket. I have friends who carry little wooden crosses in their pocket. Just a reminder of what what has been done for and how, what will be done in the future. Lastly, I think it is important to read scripture. I really do. It sounds cliche in uh, an increasingly secularized world, but it shouldn't be. It's hard to have hope in God's future presence in the world if you don't realize what, where God was present in other people's stories and how Christ came to the world to give hope. Many of you know, and as I mentioned in the prayer, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Today, we do, we remember the innocent lives lost from the firefighters and rescue workers, the people on the planes, the office workers, the citizens like you and me, we're reminded of the impact of hate and the power of love. There is no other time in my life I can remember people coming together like they did after 9-11. In spirit, to clean up the devastation, to confront those who mourn. But as I was writing this uh, sermon to, for today, I recalled the United Airlines flight 93 and the story of Lisa Jefferson, a telephone operator from a phone company in Chicago that provided service for all United flights. 
And on that fateful day, she got a call from Todd Beamer, a man on board the flight scheduled from Newark to San Francisco. He didn't want to worry his wife, so Todd just called the phone company to talk to somebody. Hijackers had taken over their plane, and he didn't know what to do. Lisa and Todd ended up talking for 13 minutes, according to the Guardian's Ed Volumey, during which time, together they recited the Lord's Prayer that we recited today. How does it end? Deliver us from evil. It ends in hope. They also shared in the words of Psalm 23, You know it from a funeral, probably. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You have set a table for me in front of my enemies. You've bathed my head with oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me to the ends of the days, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Todd and Lisa were together recalling passages of Scripture that reminded them of hope. Hope that we know now would elicit courage. Todd and several others on the flight would eventually overtake the terrorists on boards grounding it in a field in Pennsylvania. While their earthly lives came to an end, who knows how many other lives they saved. Today we remember these men as heroes because of their hope and their courage. I'd like to take a moment of silence for them today. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love for us. Have hope in the future. Have hope in God. Hope in Emmanuel. God with us. And allow that hope to inspire courage. Lean into the virtue. Find some rest this week. Sit in silence. Hang out with friends. Join a small group. Search for beauty in your life. Claim those Ebenezer's and reread the Holy Scriptures. In these practices, I promise you, you will find motivation to scale walls to climb the roofs in your life and make your way to the feet of Jesus and then to walk again with hope and courage we will see unimaginable things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen